Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. So wonderful. Today, are you living overwhelmed or overshadowed? Are you living a life that is overwhelmed by all the situations and circumstances in life that you're facing? Are you living overshadowed by the power of God? I just want to kind of dig into this a little bit and just share some personal thoughts as we get in. But the word overwhelmed means to be inundated, to bury or drown, swamp or submerge. Maybe you feel that way this morning. The word overshadowed means to be eclipsed. I think about when I hear that word eclipsed, I think about the word uh, solar eclipse, the experience, you know, how many of you made your little shoebox solar eclipse devices so you could go see the solar eclipse. And what happens is, let's say that this is the sun and the moon, what happens in a solar eclipse? The moon passes in front of it. So when we're talking about overshadow, that kind of creates a visual image for me that, that the, the radiance of the sun is now shining through or around an object. Now, uh, let me ask you this, is the sun diminished because the moon is standing in front of it? No, the sun is still full strength, the sun, its force, its power, its radiance. The sun's nature is not changed because the moon is now in front of it. In fact, if you want to watch a solar eclipse, you have to protect your eyes because the sun's force is still radiating through or around the moon. So as we talk about being overshadowed today by God, his radiance is shining through us. And, and, and the radiance, that ability of the sun to shine through us is dependent upon our ability to be translucent. The, the, the object that passes in front of a light has to be translucent. I know I'm using all these big scientific words for you today, but just hang with me. That, that the light has got to be able to shine through right? If, if an object is solid and it's not translucent, the light is not shining through. But, but if an object is translucent, the light shines through. That object's ability to be translucent is dependent upon its transparency. Maybe a word that you're more familiar with, transparency. Let me, let me define this transparency word for you. It is to be unambiguous, open, honest, clear. And the more transparent the, that we are. You know, Heather was talking about Paul telling his story over and over. You have a story to tell. And the more clear you are about what God has done in your life, the more his radiance shines through you. It's not about you. It's not about how great you are. But when you step in to the overshadowing radiance of God, his, his light shines through those transparent issues in your life. And Paul said, in my weakness, I will boast because it's in that weakness weakness that he is made strong. My, my strength is found in him. The radiance of God is shining forth when I'm transparent, when I just open up and say, God, I need you. Here am I. You know, when I, when I read about the life of Jesus and I read scripture and I see the stories from Jesus's life, I'm, I'm often challenged 
and I think, wow, God, I want to see that happen in my life. I want to see that story happen in me. I want that to come alive. I don't know if anybody else experiences that, but I, I, I wouldn't say I get jealous, but but I get, I get a little unnerved a little bit. You know, I, I read scripture. I know that's how I'm supposed to live. I know that's what I'm supposed to be experiencing. So when I don't, I, it kind of unnerves me and says, God, I, I need to experience that. When a lot of times in, in my private prayer time, even this morning, I found myself repeating the prayer that I usually pray uh, a lot before services is that God These people who are coming need you. They definitely don't need me. Lord, the people who come to this church don't need a a Zach show. They don't need another entertainment. They need to meet with you. They're here, we're here, and, and they're really not impressed by me. They really need you. They need a miracle. They need the word of God. They need the power of God in their life. And so that's that often becomes my my private time, but publicly. I operate a little bit differently. When in, in the public, I, I step into the flow of what God's doing. I, I can't make miracles happen. I can't make revival happen. I can't make the presence of God happen. But I can certainly step into the flow of what God's doing. I can become overshadowed. I can live in the flow of what God is doing. And so I do my best to step in to what God is doing, what God is saying, what He's speaking, and the flow that, that He has. Amen? I hope, that's, I hope that's all of us. I hope that you're learning to step into the flow of what God is doing. And so when, when we step in, there is an authority in that place. You know, if you feel uncomfortable with the impossible, I would challenge you to learn to step into the flow of God because there is an authority in that place for the impossible. Every believer, I said this Wednesday night, if you weren't here Wednesday night, I'll repeat myself, but every believer, say every believer, every believer is intended to live and walk in the impossible. God made you for the impossible. How do I know that? Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead Come on, somebody. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. Amen. And the ability to walk and do the impossible in God is in direct proportion to how much of God you will walk in. To what level will you be overshadowed? To what degree will you step into the flow of God in your life? When you step in, there's, there's an authority, there's a trust there. I know that when I am walking in the flow of what God's doing, His power and His presence will meet me every time. Why? Because He has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And so if I'm stepping into obedience to what God is doing, what did Jesus say? I can do nothing, the Son of Man can do nothing outside of what He sees the the father do did he not is that Jesus's words are you with me and so he's addressing himself not as the son of God we know he was the son of God but he was also the son of man he addressed himself as the son of man saying I can only do what I see the father do and so it's an example for you and I that when we step into the radiance of God when we step into that flow the impossible happens You ought to be running to the impossible. Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. You, when you see the sick, the oppressed, you ought to be running to them. This is a God moment. 
This is a God opportunity for them to be healed, for them to be delivered, set free. It doesn't intimidate me when, when people come to the altar with their sicknesses and their issues or when I see people who are oppressed or have possession, whatever is going on. That doesn't intimidate me. Why? Because it's not about me. But it's about the one who's radiating through me. It's not about what I bring to the table and my skill and how eloquent I can pray or how detailed prayers or can I wave my hand over them or touch their head the right way. Or No, it's none of that. That's a performance. That's a show. But when the radiance of God shines through me, there's, they come in contact with a power and a presence that's not my own. That ought to be our lives, is that there ought to be a radiance of God shining through us. Paul said in Ephesians that, it, that he is working in us. There is a, he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we can ask or imagine or even begin to think. I can think about some crazy things, but, but God says, I want to supersede those, what? According to the power that's working in you. Is there power working in you? Ephesians 3.20, is there a power working in you? Is the power of God evident in your life? Has he overshadowed you? When there is, the impossible becomes possible. What you allow to overshadow you determines how you live. What you allow to overshadow you will determine how you live. If you are constantly overshadowed by your busyness, your busy heart. You know, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with being busy or being active. It's when, it's when our hearts stay busy that there's a problem. Jesus had a full schedule. I, I want to help you here. Jesus had a very full schedule. So much so that he had to get up super early in the morning and escape into the mountainside to try to get away from the people. So that he could pray and have, have peaceful time with the Father. So there's nothing wrong with a full schedule. It was a busy heart that is the issue. A busy heart that doesn't make room for the voice of God becomes a problem. A busy heart that doesn't make room for the direction and the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit becomes the issue. We become overshadowed by our busyness. We become overshadowed by life's anxiety and fear and worries and all of the things, the schedules, the family stuff. I got to be at this. I mean, how many of you have kids that you don't raise your hand, but how many of you have kids that are all over the place? They got school. They have, they have uh, dance. They have karate. They have baseball. They have soccer. They have this. They have that. And we become overshadowed. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. And, and those things take priority over being overshadowed by him. How do I know? Well, you, try, you tell people they need to be at church for prayer on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Come on now. I like my sleep. I've been way too busy this week, and I need to get that extra hour of sleep in. You can say amen or oh my. It doesn't matter. Either way, just help me out now. Yeah, yeah. We like to stay. Why? Because we're overwhelmed by life and not overshadowed by him. <laughs> In John chapter 7, Jesus tells, tells us that the Holy Spirit is like a river. 
out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit comes in us like a river, and he ought to be flowing out of us like a river. If he's not flowing out of you, he's merely a lake. There is a river of God that should be flowing into you and flowing out of you. He comes upon me to change me. He's in me. He's flowing in me to change me. He's, the Bible uses two specific words to describe the Holy Spirit and what he does in me. He is my sunantilambanami. Say, Pastor, you praying in tongues. Nope, that's a Greek word that Paul made up. Literally, he made it up. He is my helper. He's my advocate. He helps me. In Romans 8, when I don't know how I should pray, I don't know what to do in life, he is my soon anti-lambanamai. He is my help. He changes me. He transforms me. He wrestles with me to a place of safety. My Holy Spirit, He is in me, and He's my soon anti-lambanamai. And the other words that are used to describe the Holy Spirit is that He is the Allos Paracletos, Jesus. And John 14 said that I will send to you another helper, one just like me is coming to help you. And so the Holy Spirit in me is my paraclete. He's my helper. He's my advocate. He's my counselor. He's my teacher. He's my standby. He's he's praying and interceding, right? All of those things, the Holy Spirit in me. My God, that's a lot of power on the inside of you. If he's working in you, you've got an unction to function as they used to say. There is a power on the inside of you, and it ought to be flowing out of you. Overshadowed. There is a river that's flowing today from the throne of God, and it's flowing into us and should be flowing out of us. Capacity. Full, let me go back. Fullness. You know, when we talk about fullness, we're I'm filled with God. And we often think about being filled is being filled. This would be full if there was water to the top, right? Being filled. But fullness in God is not about reaching your capacity. It's about how much you overflow. Fullness is determined by the degree to which you overflow. You know, during the flood stages of a river, you can, watch, you can watch fullness happen. It can reach its capacity to the banks, but, but it's not really full until it's overflowing full. And it can be overflowing full and kind of rise up the, the levees system. But, but once it kind of reaches the top of those levee systems, it's, it's full, but, but it can be even fuller. It can overflow the levee system and the natural barricades that are in place and overflow into people's homes. And it becomes an invasion. That water begins to invade the homes and the structures that are around that that river system, and then it just keeps getting fuller and fuller, and it's a flood. Does anybody hear me? That, that's the degree to which you and I can experience the fullness of God. Overshadowed, the flood stage, over, overtaken to the degree that your life is invading somebody's home. To the degree that the power and the unction of God on your life is affecting somebody and some people around you. Yeah. 
If the level of the river is not affecting people around you, there's no overflow. You're overwhelmed and just maintaining. Maybe there's a lake. But when, the, when you saturate, when you step in and say, God, overshadow me. I want your fullness. There's more to have. In John chapter 14, Jesus makes this comparison. In verse 12, in verse 17, he makes a comparison between the believers and the world. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, who, he who believes in me, the, the works that I do, listen, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater than these. Greater than these. Have you seen greater works lately than what Jesus did? Greater works. There's a Holy Spirit on the inside of us for greater things. In verse 17, He says this, that the spirit of truth, the world cannot receive because it neither sees or knows him. But he says, you know him because he will he dwells with you and he will be in you. Jesus makes this comparison here that the world does not see or know him. They don't see or know the Holy Spirit. But you do. And who does the world see? Who does the world know? You. Jesus said that you know the Holy Spirit because He dwells in you. He abides in you. He remains in you. He ain't leaving you. And He is in you. It means to be fully given to, wholly taken over, fully surrendered. So you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you so that people around you can be affected. They can see, Jesus said this at Matthew chapter 5, if you don't believe me. Here's Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. You're a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. It gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven overshadowed. How does this work? Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. And whoever walks in me will not walk in darkness. How does this work? We are lights in a dark world, not because we have some, something special in our own nature, but Christ has overshadowed. The Holy Spirit has come. The light of God has come and He's shown in our lives. The light and the life of God has come and shown in our darkness. Isaiah 9-2 says that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. We have become eclipsed by the glory of God. There is a outshining, a radiance of the Father. The Bible says that Jesus is the outshining of the Father. And that radiance is shining into our life. And ought to be shining out of us. The radiance of God is shining into us, and we become lights in a dark world. We're, we're, uh, the, the light is passing through our lives into the darkness around us. You will radiate something. In Isaiah 9, the Bible talks about being 9 2. If you can put that verse up, Isaiah 9 2, he says, Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, 
upon them a light has shined. Right now, there's a land of the shadow of death, and there's a land where the light of God gloriously shines. You can reflect the shadow of death, or you're going to reflect the glory of God. You will reflect some. If you're overwhelmed by life, the shadow of death has come upon you. If you're living according to this world, the shadow of death has come upon you. But, but when you step in to the river of God, when you step into the light of His glory, there's an radiance that can radiate through your life. There's a light that is shining through you. In Scripture, we find three specific stories about the overshadowing power and presence of God. And I want to take a look at them this morning. The first one we find in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. There's three stories in Scripture that talk about the overshadowing presence and power of God. The first one that I want to take a look at is the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The second one is the transfiguration. And then the third one is Peter's shadow, and we'll take a look at those. But Mary, the mother of Jesus, little teenage girl, betrothed to be married. She's, she's engaged to be married to Joseph. And she gets an angelic visit one day, out of the blue. And the angelic messenger says, you are going to have a baby. And you know the story about Mary is that she said, that's not possible. I'm not married yet. In other words, there are things that have to take place for that to happen. And they ain't happen. And I ain't having a baby. And the Bible says that the angel said to her that the Holy Spirit, in Luke chapter 1 verse 35 says that the Holy Spirit, the, the presence of the Most High, the power of the Most High, will overshadow you. You've got that verse. You can put it up. Verse 35 says, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. This word, overshadow, is a compound word in the Bible, but it means to be superimposed upon. To be superimposed means to place or lay a thing over something so that both are still evident. Whatever the two things are, they're still evident. It's to be overshadowed. In other words, God takes imperfect people and overshadows us with his power. And you still see the, the nature, your nature. You still see yourself. But in that, you see the glory of God expressed. It's kind of like the stained glass window in the, in the churches. You know, you see those beautiful old stained glass windows and the light shines through those windows. And as the light shines through, the, the sun doesn't change colors. The sun doesn't become blue or green or any of the colors in the stained glass. No, the, the stained glass is, is showing the, the glory of the sun and, and expressing, expressing it through the, through the colors in the window. That's how we are. We are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10. He's created you and I to, to be a, a, a masterpiece where his light shines through. And each of us express that in different ways. 
Mary became overshadowed by the presence of God. Her response to this was, Lord, let it be to me. She yielded herself. God, whatever it is, let it be unto me. Her response said, Lord, as she's singing her song, if you go on and you read Mary's song, it's powerful. And she says, he's considered me. The creator has considered me. I'm just a lowly girl, but God found me. God found you in the midst of your issues, in the midst of your problems. You can be overshadowed by life, and it's where i got to get married. I've got to follow procedure. People are going to laugh at me. All of the things that Mary must have been thinking about. She could have been overwhelmed by those or say, God, let it be. I'm choosing not to be overwhelmed by life. I'm going to be overshadowed by your glory. There's something on the inside of me that you're creating. My God, there's something on the inside of you that God is creating. There is a baby on the inside of you. There's there's an assignment of God on your life. He has placed his anointing and his calling upon your life. And the Holy Ghost has overshadowed you to create in your womb, your spiritual womb, to create something bigger than yourself, bigger than what you could bring in your own strength or your abilities. God is working working supernaturally on the inside of you. My God, I wish somebody would help me this morning. I don't know if you hear me this morning, but God is working on the inside of you, just like at creation. When God spoke, the Holy Spirit was brooding, the Bible says, over the face of the waters. As God was speaking, let there be light. The Holy Spirit was actively bringing fruit to that word. The seed of God's word was released, and the Holy Spirit came and was breathing and brooding life into that word, fruitfulness into that word, and he's doing it in your life. When you were lost and in the, in the sea, in the midst of, of despair, in the pit and anguish of depression in the world and all your mess. The Holy God spoke and said, you're mine. And the Holy Spirit came and grabbed you up by the nap of your neck, pulled you out of your pit, brought you out of your despair and said, I'm going to overshadow you and work on the inside of you. The word that God has spoken over your life. Right now, yeah, right now, the Holy Spirit is overshadowing you and creating on the inside of you. You've been overshadowed by God. He's bringing spiritual fruit in your life. If you're bound by addiction, substance abuse, relationships, issues, lying tongue, whatever the problem is, Whatever the sin that easily ensnares you is, whatever the offense that's grabbed hold of your heart is, when the Holy Spirit is, when you yield to the Holy Spirit and He's overshadowing you and working on the inside of you, He begins to bring forth spiritual fruit in your life. You've tried the 12 steps. You've tried the right things and done all the right process. But my God, it doesn't doesn't work to its fullest until you allow the Holy Ghost to come and brood to overshadow you and bring forth spiritual fruit. 
That's why we say all the time, if you got a problem, you need to get to the altar. You need to find yourself in the presence of God. Daily, daily altar, daily in His presence, daily saturating in God. And all of us have problems. So that, doesn't, that means all of us have to find ourselves daily in the presence of God. Daily we need fruit to be born in our life. Day, I don't know about you, but I know I need God fruit every day. Because there are plenty of people who want to pick it off and eat it. There are a lot of people who want to munch on my fruit. And it. I need a refill. I need a refill. My gentleness needs a refill. My self-control needs a refill. My love needs a refill. <laughs> I need an overshadowing every day. <laughs> He's creating on the inside of me. Mary was overshadowed. In Matthew chapter 17, we find the story of the transfiguration. I'm going to read this because this is powerful. I, I, it's all powerful, but I'm, I'm trying to be aware of time. But in Matthew chapter 17, it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and they led them up to the high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Verse 2 of 17, he says, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. My God, the Son of righteousness has risen with healing in his beams. Malachi. His face shone like the sun. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, we can make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll just camp out. <laughs> this is good stuff. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of that cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased Hear him. And the disciples heard it, and they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. Hey, Jesus just let people fall <laughs> on their faces. I'm just saying. Okay. Anyway, I had to point that out. Just had to say that. And when, when they had lifted up their eyes, when they, when they looked up, all they saw was Jesus only. We see this cloud of glory multiple times in the Bible. In Exodus chapter 14, we see the cloud of glory on the Israelites. We see the cloud lead them. We see the cloud protect them, the glory of God. In Exodus 24, the cloud came down on Mount Sinai while Moses was there getting the Ten Commandments. And in 1 Kings 8, we see the cloud that came down on Solomon's temple and, and came upon in such a way, the cloud of God's glory came in such a way upon that temple that the Bible says the priest could not even minister because of the weight of the glory of God. Now, I want you to think about this. How many of you have driven through fog? Was it heavy? Did it knock you off the road? Did it overwhelm your car? Did the fog overwhelm you and, and, and put pressure on your car and smash it down like a pancake? No, it didn't. That's not, a cloud doesn't do that. But it wasn't about the cloud 
there was a substance in that cloud. There was a substance. It, it, it's not about, can I just make a point here? It's not about how great you and I look and how good we are in our performance. It was just a cloud. But there was a substance on the inside of that cloud. Some of you are just getting it. There, there, was a, there was a substance on the inside of that cloud. It was, it was heavy. It was weighed down. It wasn't just about the cloud. There was the glory of God. That, that word kavod. It was the heaviness. It was the weighty. It was the, it was the abundance, the copiousness of the presence of God on the inside of that cloud. Those priests couldn't minister. The, the Egyptian army couldn't past. There, there, there was why? Because it was more than just a cloud. There was the copiousness of God in that thing. In our lives, when we get overshadowed, just like Jesus on the transfiguration mount, there is a weighty copiousness of God that is shining and radiating through our lives. It's not about our skill or our talents, but oh my God, in that moment, everything that God has, every spiritual blessing, every ounce of power, every bit of force is radiating through you and I. And the degree to which we experience Experience that is based on our yieldedness. My goodness. The cloud came down. In Scripture, the cloud of God's glory. These poor camera people are trying to keep up with me. The way to, the, the glory of God is often associated with the face of God. When we talk about the presence of God in Scripture, the word for the, the glory is kavod. It's that, it's that copiousness of God, and we associate that with the presence of God. There is the presence of God in that copiousness of Him. The word for presence is panim, and it means face or countenance in the Hebrew. It's the face of God. So when we're talking about the glory and the, and the presence of God, we're talking about the face of God radiating through our lives. His countenance. He's looking upon you right now. God, radiance. He's looking upon you. His face is upon you right now. His presence is upon you. His face is looking at you. You know, when poor little Asher, you know, mamas and daddies do things when you have kids that you would never do to another human being. You go, 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 go. You make all sorts of weird noises and faces at the baby. You'd never do that to another human. But your baby, you will. And it what? It triggers joy at, in the baby. Ha, 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 ha. You know, Asher's laughing now and cooing. So he's doing things. Why? Because he saw mama and daddy's face, even though it looks really funny. He saw mama and daddy's face making noises, cooing and eyeing at him. God has turned his face towards us. And in him we find our joy. I love that. Man, we, we look at his face. I look upon his face and I get joy. I find my delight. When I see him in his fullness, I find delight in him. The cloud of God's glory. They were overshadowed by him. I want you to watch their responses here. What happened? When we become overshadowed, we find our identity 
The father spoke in the cloud and said, this is my beloved son. It's in his glory we find our identity. This is my beloved son or daughter. In him we find our favor. When we are in, overshadowed by him, we find his favor. We find delight in his grace. In that moment. (laughs) This is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased And in that overshadowed moment, we find our proper perspective. They got up and saw nobody but Jesus. You know, when when you're over, how do you know the difference? When you're overwhelmed by life, you see everything but Jesus. You see all the issues. You see the bank account. You see the problems. You see all the things that could go wrong, will go wrong, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But when you're overwhelmed, overcome, overshadowed by him, All you see is him. The impossible becomes possible because you see Jesus. That ministry becomes possible because you see Jesus. That debt being paid off because becomes possible because you see Jesus. That outflow of the river of God in your life is possible because you see Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, we find the third story that I want to highlight. And that's the shadow of Peter. In verse 12 of Acts chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, you should go there. This is a great passage of Scripture. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Acts chapter 5, verse 13. Yet none of the rest dared join them, But the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. In verse 15, we find Peter walking down the street and people are bringing out their sick so that his shadow might fall on them. In the previous two stories about being overshadowed, we find the Holy Spirit is doing a direct work upon people. In this story, in this occasion, we find the Holy Spirit working through people. Mary, the Holy Spirit worked upon. In the transfiguration, the overshadowing presence of God came upon them in that moment. But in this story, we find that Peter becomes the instrument of the Holy Spirit. What overshadowed him affected his shadow. We often try to correlate in this particular passage of Scripture that because of signs and wonders, people were being converted. If that were true, Jesus had horrible statistics on miracles to conversions. It's not about the miracles, signs, and wonders that brings about converts. People are converted because of God. 
People are born again because of the work of God in their life. Signs and wonders do not make people born again. Although they do create, and what we see happen here is that there is an atmosphere or a sense of awe and wonder at what was taking place. So much so that the people esteemed the apostles and would not dare join them. There was such a high respect, a high regard, and high honor for the ministers because of what was taking place. And to the degree that people were bringing their sick on couches and beds into the streets. What was taking place was affecting the entire city to the degree that people were bringing out their sick and the unclean spirit. They were bringing them out and lining Dan Street so that, so that Peter could just walk the street that's all they needed. They, they knew if they could just get into the street and, and the anointing, the overshadowing presence and power that was on the apostles, if they, could, if they could just get them out into the streets, there was something on these men. It was so tangible that if they could just get them into the streets, what was on them was on their shadow and it would fall on them and they would get touched and healed and delivered. Talk about an overflow of the river of God and someone's soul. Talk about overshadowed. Talk about being transparent and the presence of God flowing out of somebody. That's the life we're called to live. Paul's handkerchiefs, Peter's shadow, the tangible anointing and power of God on our lives. So much so that it's transferable in those moments. People are get, getting something. It's, it's so funny. Some of you have heard this story. This, this story has occurred in different ways, in different seasons, and in different places. And I, it's happened before, but I'll tell the version of it that happened here because you can relate to it. But after, it was probably about a year after we were here maybe not even that, this, this guy heard about what was happening in the church and that the power of God was touching people in the church and that people were falling on the floor. And he says, I haven't seen that in church in this area since the 70s. He said, so I, I, I heard about it. I've seen it way back when, but I haven't seen it since. And so he came to church just to see what was going on. And I'll never forget, we had an altar call that day. And he literally... He came down over here and watched, and he would follow and ended up over here, I think. And literally, as we were walking through praying for people, he wanted to watch what we were doing to see if we were pushing people or if there was some sort of trick to what was happening or was this the real thing because he hadn't seen it in so long. And it was funny because he, he came up to me after, and he, he was explaining this to me. And he said, what, how I knew this was real, he said, you weren't even touching people. He said, you were just walking by. And as you were walking by, he said, you weren't even touching everybody and people were falling. He said, it had nothing to do with you. He said, you could barely stand up yourself. It had nothing to do with you. And of course, I find that humorous myself. I'm like, duh, <laughs> you know, I know, I know that. But it's that, it, it, the 
people were wanting to know. They, there was something real, something tangible on Peter's life, and they wanted to get into what was happening. They're, they needed their, their auntie. They needed their uncle. They needed their brother, their sister, their son, their daughter. They needed to get set free, and they knew that they couldn't get into the church. The church was packed. Just line them out on the street. Sound familiar in Jesus' ministry? Sound familiar? This is a picture of what the church looks like when the church is overshadowed. Let me take a look at some of the things here that were happening in these couple of verses. First off, we see that word spread of what was happening. Word was spreading about the power and the presence of God and what God was doing in people's lives. When you are overshadowed by the presence of God, you stop talking about the issues and you start talking about what God is doing. All of a sudden, the, the talk changes. Oh, well, I didn't like this in church, or they didn't sing my song, or that, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it changes all of a sudden to, wow, God was here this morning. The glory of the Lord was filling his church. Wow, look what God, did you see that person get set free this morning? Did you see that person get healed? Look what God, and word spread throughout the town, even to the next towns. The town's not in Jerusalem, the town's over. There was receptivity among the people towards the gospel. Instead of being closed off, let me explain it to you like this. Instead of looking at all the Christians saying, I don't want that. That's what Christianity is all about. I don't want that. Instead of looking at them saying that, what the believers were possessing was contagious. There was a joy. There was a passion. There was a fervor. There was an excitement about the things of God. And it was contagious. And people were open and receptive to hear about the gospel because they were watching their friends and families get changed. They weren't born again because of the miracles, but my goodness, it caught their attention. They said, I don't know what that is, but I'm curious about it. It's created a sense of awe and wonder. Can you imagine being in a place, in an environment, in a room, in a city that's filled with awe and wonder over what God is doing? That was the climate. That was the atmosphere, this sense of awe and wonder. Where there is no sense of power and presence, there's no awe and wonder. It's only a show. But when there's power and presence, awe and wonder come. People often, you know, talk about, well, we, you know, we believe in miracles, but let's do it in the back room. Or we believe in speaking in tongues, but let's do it in, in the back room. Let's, let's put all the signs and wonders and the miraculous stuff. Let's not offend people. Let's put it somewhere. No, no. That was never the New Testament example. And here is a great case in point. It was full on for everybody to see and experience. This is, why? Because it created a sense and awe over what God was doing. You have experienced God. You got a story to tell. If God has moved in your life, you have a story to tell. You have something to share about what God is doing in your life at Celebration Church and in this ministry. You have something to share with somebody, my goodness. And if you don't, you need to get yourself at the altar and say, God, I need a story. I need to be overshadowed. I need something happening in my life. (laughs) 
There was a sense of fear and reverence for God in this city and what God was doing. People were bringing out the beds and the couches. I would just get a mental picture of that down Dan Street. People's beds and couches and, and hospital beds. <laughs> and the city was turned upside down. Not only was Jerusalem turned upside down by what was taking place, but people in surrounding cities heard what was going on, and they brought their sick, and they brought their demon-possessed. They brought their issues because of what was taking place. I, I, let, let me give you what the climate of the church was in this point. This, this is what it looks like when the church is overshadowed, but let me tell you what was happening in the church those days. Let me give you a picture of what was taking place. Not just the, the, this, this scenario, but let me give you a big picture of what was happening in the church. They were meeting daily house to house. They were going daily from house to house. They were meeting daily. Everybody say daily. daily. They didn't just come to church on Sunday and check the box and go home and pull their time card. You know, when they get in on Sunday, whoops, droop. I didn't do that. Daily they were meeting, and regularly they were at the temple for prayer and teaching. And they weren't griping about it, and they didn't complain how long the preacher preached. I mean, my goodness, Paul preached so long, people were falling out the windows. Then none of them griped about it. They were there, and they were happy to be there. And multitudes were being added to the church daily. Daily. The climate of the church. The sick and the oppressed were being healed. Those who were demon-possessed were being set free. Those with sickness and bondage were being liberated. Cities were being affected, even at the governmental levels. Even at the city government was being affected by what God was doing in the church. The religious organizations were being affected because of what God... And persecution happened. Come on now, nobody's shouting me down now. A persecution happened right on in the middle of it. Peter's shadows healing people, and the police come and arrest him and put him in jail because of what was taking place. You read the story in Acts 5. They put him in jail, and what happens? An angel comes and sets them all free out of jail, and they all go back to the temple and start preaching again. And the, and the government officials come and the religious officials come to get them out of the jail and, and try them for what they've been doing. And they, get, they open the door and they're not there. Where are they? And they have to send out people to find the apostle. Where are they? Oh, they're back in the temple preaching, doing what we just arrested them for. How'd they get out? We don't know. They were here under guard and now they're back there. We can't shut them up. We can't stop them. That's the nature of the church. When we live overshadowed and not overwhelmed, miracles, signs, and wonders will happen. Families will be transformed. Cities will be shaken. Governments will be shaken. But it takes a church that will say, I'm not going to be overwhelmed by life, but overshadowed by His power. 
worship team can come back. I want to wrap this up and just share a couple of personal stories about this. As I started thinking about being overshadowed, I was thinking about practical examples of moments in time that I could go back to in life where, where I was strangely aware of being overshadowed. You have those moments where you can go back and you're aware of his presence every day. You're aware of his goodness, I'm sure, every day. But, but those moments where there was just a tangible, special touch, something unique. As I thought about this, I thought about Pastor Anna Donahue, who was, who was with us recently. And we were talking after she left. And she said, Pastor Zach, I got to tell you, she said, I still have a sense of what happened in that service, in those services while I was there. I still have, there's, there's a tangible deposit in my life from being at your church. I sense it being overshadowed, the glory overshadowing her in those, in those meetings she was here. And she was ministering. I think back to 2006, March of 2006. It was exactly a year before significant, some significant changes happened in my life. But it was a moment, it kick-started, that moment in March of 2006 kick-started a year of change. Things that I didn't even know were coming came my way. Change happened. Moving across the country, all sorts of stuff. You know, weird, you know, it was like, whoa. But it, in that moment, I'll never forget, I was in a pastor's conference and it was March 2006 in Alabama. And I was sitting in the pastor's conference and the different speakers and different things. And it wasn't anything profound. It was great, but just nothing really earth-shaking. It was a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, pastor's kind of was great. I'm trying to even think, I can think of the speakers. I can't even think of who was doing worship. I mean, it was, and in the last service, um, they, did a, they did a prayer time. And I'd been waiting all week. I was like, or all weekend, however long. I was like, okay, God. The speaker's been good, but nothing extraordinary. I need something extraordinary now. <laughs> I need that deposit. I'm, I, I'm ready. You've been stirring in me. And I remember, I remember getting in that, at the end of the prayer tunnel. And they had all the different people lined up to help pray. And I remember when I stepped into that prayer tunnel between the two ministers who were kind of leading the conference, I felt a tangible blanket laid over me. It was like somebody put a blanket on top of me. I, I don't know what happened at that point. I found myself on the floor hours later. So I don't really know what happened. I just know that I ended out of that prayer tunnel. But I felt that overshadowing presence of the Lord in that moment. This is just a couple stories. I remember that. And that set the course for what was to take place over the next year. It kind of kick-started that. It was preparation. Another story that I thought of, another moment in time that I thought of when that happened was on July 4th, 2018, here in this building. When I walked out that door into that, into that service on a Wednesday night on July 4th, 
and that blanket came on me again. And I don't know what happened the rest of that service. Again, I came to at somebody else's house a couple hours later. says when we become strangely aware of his overshadowing presence and power. He's always there. He's always ready to do those things in our lives. But I find that he does those strategic moments in our lives to remind us, to call us back to and equip us to say, this is the life I've called you to live. This is the life I've called you to live, overshadowed, not overwhelmed, to be overshadowed by my glory. And what can happen is we can allow those moments to fade into the overwhelmingness of life. We can allow that July 4th service or those types of service, those moments, we can allow them to fade into, oh, just another experience just another time or we become stewards of the radiance of God and that's the life we live we become stewards of his glory and that becomes the life that we live not just an encounter once a year or twice a year or occasionally but we live we live as overshadowed people with the creative power of God in us, with the copiousness of God in us, and flowing out of us. I don't know about you, but I want his kavod, I want his copiousness, I want his creative power flowing out of me. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. 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 Just grab the hand of some. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.